Hey everyone, I decided to re-air one of my personal favorite episodes from September of last year, and that's with Logan Hollowell. And I thought, especially as the year is ending and we're reflecting back on what we want and our goals, this would be a good one to listen to because truly Logan is a good example of how to manifest the life you want. I mean, she has created this incredible jewelry brand all from having the right mindset and visualizing and truly manifesting. And I think this could be a good one to listen to and really help jumpstart your goals. So I hope you enjoyed this one and see you next week. And so really studying the law of attraction and studying the subconscious mind is what got me to recognize that I have the power within me to create anything. It's all on self-belief, really. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to this show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. And for the last year, I've worked diligently on starting a new business all around helping women get to the root cause of their period problems and hormonal imbalances. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my story and new company, BS. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Logan Hollowell, to our show today. Logan is a jewelry designer and founder of Logan Hollowell Jewelry, a brand focused on making handmade heirlooms for the modern goddess. Logan spent most of her childhood in nature, raised on the Outer Banks in North Carolina. From a very young age, she was always fascinated with gemstones and crystals. Logan moved to LA at the age of 17 to pursue a career in fashion. Needing to make ends meet, Logan took many jobs and lived paycheck to paycheck to afford living in this new big city. Always having big dreams of being a jewelry designer, Logan wasn't sure how to start because she always thought it would take a lot of resources and connections to create the fine jewelry brand she always wanted. She started collecting and reworking vintage pieces to make into her own and started designing for herself at first. Logan's jewelry organically spread by word of mouth in the early days of influencers and blogging. With one step in front of the other, Logan created a market for women who were desiring jewelry that meant something and empowered them for the better. Logan's jewelry is a cult favorite and has been spotted on people like Rihanna, Jennifer Lawrence, Meghan Markle, Jessica Alba, and so much more. Logan credits much of her success to working on her subconscious mind and limiting beliefs, taking radical change in her life towards doing things that she only loves, and empowering women through her jewelry line, which I personally love so much. Welcome to the show, Logan. Thank you so much for having me. Shout out to our mutual friend, Masha, who has been speaking so highly of you. So when I had the opportunity to have you on, I'm like, Logan is going to be great for our guests. And I love your story and your pieces. So I can't wait to jump into it today. Thank you so much. So I'd love to start with your upbringing. I know you grew up in the Outer Banks, which is a beautiful small beach town in North Carolina, and you were always fascinated with gems and treasures. So I'd love to hear more about your childhood and, you know, how you think it's really impacted the women you are today. 
So the Outer Banks is like a tiny, it's almost an island, but it's connected at both ends. And I think part of just being that we grew up like running around barefoot, you know, small, it's like little tiny towns strung together. Have you been? I have. It's stunning, by the way. Yeah, it's beautiful there. It's so charming. Yeah. And it's first in flight. Like that's like our claim to fame. The Wright brothers had their first flight there. And there was just the idea that like we had hurricanes come through every September and kind of, I'd say every three years, we kind of got like wiped out. So it was this feeling of like uncertainty and and having to be comfortable with that. And just knowing that everything can be rebuilt and, and everything starts over and there's always like this rebirth process. It kind of just like encouraged me to, from a young age to recognize that like, it's okay. Like, just like take risks, you know, and things will always work themselves out. And what remains is meant to stay, you know, always rework. So I think that definitely like affected who I am today in a big way, because I I am a risk taker and I'm not afraid of uncertainty. And one of my favorite quotes is faith is loyalty to an unseen reality. So just knowing that like, no matter what things are going to work out, as long as you have faith. So let's see, what else was it like? I mean, like I said, it was running around barefoot, lots of like community, cooking at home, small town kind of feel. And it was very like, people were very sweet and charming and lots of like Southern comfort. You know, there was very much an attitude of how can we serve and help our neighbors and be there for our community I mean, literally growing up, my sister and I would go next door and we'd be like making a cake or whatever it was. And we'd literally be like, we have everything except two eggs. (laughs) It allowed me to trust people in the community and that we were all there for each other. I'm definitely glad I'm from the Outer Banks. Being from a small town is nice. It's very humbling. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, there's two things that really stand out that I've really seen on your journey and will unpack is you are very comfortable with risk and you always have faith that things will work out. Right. And, and I think that's the first step you really took is when you left Outer Banks to come to LA at 17, which is a huge adjustment. Right. So I'm curious, you know, what was the motivation for you to take that first risk and that first leap to move away from your family and come to this city where it was just so different than where you were raised and you grew up? Honestly, I always like felt this draw to California. I think it was ever since I was a little girl, I was into like healthy eating and like vegetables and gardening and just like consciousness. Spirituality was something I was always attracted to. And it definitely wasn't like normal, but I would always find myself like my mom and I went to like a city, say Norfolk, Virginia or Raleigh, you know, and the capital North Carolina, or if we went to Chicago or big, I would always sort of like wind up in these like spiritual bookstores. And like, I was just very intrigued by it all. Even if we were at a Barnes and Noble, I would find myself like looking at pictures of dolphins. And like, I was very attracted to this, like, I had this like fantasy, this like mermaid kind of like energy fantasy and gemstones and like crystals, just always like, I was never interested in Barbies, like nothing about it that attracted me. I was so turned off by it, but rocks and crystals, like I had, you know, and I would just like, I had this little box and I would like, you know, 
collect them and ask my mom if we could go to the gem store. And that was, to me, was so exciting. She'd be like, Logan, we have to go. It's time to go. I'm like, no, but I'm learning about tiger's eye or whatever. So Los Angeles, the first time I went and I, I just always kind of had this like gut feeling like that's where I'm going to go. I just felt things happened like fast there. And I've always been a very like, you know, going back to the South is definitely probably a good thing for me because things slow down a little bit, but I've been a very like, I'm like, okay, let, let's just do it. Like, what are we waiting for? Like, you know, and there was just certain boldness. I felt that, that I could create my dreams there. And it was just a draw. It was a gut instinct. And I just, I truly believe in following your instincts. And what I love so much about you is you're so in tune with your intuition. I mean, if anything, you really dial that in even later in your career and your journey, which is amazing to move to LA at 17, knowing that this is the right place for you. And, you know, one thing you've been very open about, about launching your brand is, you know, people might assume that you came from money or you had connections because fine jewelry is, you know, somewhat expensive, but I would love for you to, yeah, I'd love for you to unpack, you know, what your life looked like when you were in LA, because you were living paycheck to paycheck, really hustling before the brand even came to your mind. Right. My dad was in real estate development and it hit him pretty hard, you know? So after I moved to Los Angeles, it was quickly, maybe a year after it was like, they went from being able to help me with, I was in college, I was at Santa Monica college and I was taking classes and they were helping me with rent and things like that. And then it was just like, I'm so sorry, honey. Like you're either going to have to move home or like, you know, work it out. And I was in a lease, like I had a car, you know, there was all sorts of stuff, insurance. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, so it was definitely like kind of like I had to take radical action and really get into this mindset of like, okay, how can I make this happen? Because I definitely don't want to go backwards. You know, I, I, I felt on this trajectory, but yeah, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was waitressing, working at a hotel, I was bartending, and there was lots of like, you know, in Los Angeles as a young girl, there's people are. I don't know. There's all sorts of things being thrown at you. Like, and for me, I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I was so driven to be independent. And I knew that I was going to make this work. And I kind of just like, I started learning about the law of attraction. Cause I had this whispering in my ear. Like I, I, it was like, be a jewelry designer, be a jewelry designer. And I was like, it was to the point, I think, you know, that threshold that you get to where you're like, okay, I'm going to take action now is like the frustration. Cause you're like, I can't like, you hear this voice, but you're like, but I have no resources. And it's like, just do it. And you're like, but how? And so really studying the law of attraction and studying the subconscious mind is what got me to recognize that I have the power within me to create anything. You know, it's like, it's all on self-belief really. And so I just, I started reading like on the weekends, you know, at at this point I'm like 20, 20, well, I was bartending. So I was 21 and people would be like, Oh, come out Saturday. And I felt like, kind of like a loser to be honest. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, so not intrigued by that life. Like I wanted to make it like, I wanted to make my dreams were like so sacred. And so they were getting so loud. I started studying how other people did it. That came from nothing you know, like Steve Harvey and like this person and that person. So reading their stories really helped me get into this mindset of being like, oh, it is possible. Like I can do it too. 
And of course you doubt creeps in and all that stuff. And then you're like, no, but let's like try this out. Let's like make this fun, you know? And so I started trying, I started doing it with little things. Like I made a vision board and I would put like some, like a place I wanted to go. I really wanted to like do a luxury Napa experience. And I wanted like a bomber jacket. And I I just like some little, some things. I mean, within like, and I really, I I was like, yeah, this all makes me feel good. And I would create these rituals where like, I would kind of update my dream board every few months. And, and then it was like, sure enough, like these things were happening. Like someone was like, Hey, we got this extra bomber in. It's an extra small and like, it doesn't fit her. And we got it for free because her boyfriend works for the, and I was just like, that's like an a thousand dollar jacket. Like what, take it. We, we can't use. And I, it was just, it was supernatural, really, is what was happening. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know? Hey, everyone. It's Yasmin here. I wanted to tell you a quick story. Before I started this podcast, I was working extremely long and crazy hours in banking and then in tech. I was totally burnt out, not living my truth, and dreaming of always building my own empire. With all of this stress, it came really debilitating periods from bloating, cramping, extreme breast tenderness, and really unpredictable moods. I would always complain to my friends that I I was literally out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Women are not inherently designed to suffer every single month. That's when I learned about hormonal imbalances. I started working with functional medicine doctors who told me that years of stress combined with taking birth control pills long-term created a cascade of hormonal damage in my body. This is why I felt bloated, tired, crampy, and moody before and throughout my period. They recommended I try something called seed cycling. And let me tell you, it's changed my life. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also noticed that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds, freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds in the right amounts with the right support. It's called Bia, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Now anyone struggling with hormonal imbalances can easily incorporate seed cycling into their busy schedule with the Bia Seed Cycling Bundle. This process has been life-changing for me. I no longer deal with cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, or any other PMS symptoms before my period. It's been a complete game changer, and it's allowed me to focus on things that matter most to me, like this podcast and building my own empire. And most importantly, I want this for you too. 
If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the show. Absolutely. And I'm actually curious. So I know, you know, you have many rituals. So during that time, those few months where you were really digging deep into the subconscious and law of attraction, what other things were you doing? So if anybody's listening and they feel like they have a yearning to want to do more and want to dive deeper into really creating the life they want, what were some of the things that you think helped you? Because I am all about this. So I really agree with everything that really worked for you. A hundred percent affirmations. And when you're ready, like looking in the mirror and reciting them to yourself, it's so like, I remember for a while I would pass the mirror and I'm like, Oh, I'll do well. Number one is starting with letting go of like guilt and shame and just self-forgiveness. Like, listen, Logan, I love you. I forgive you for anything that you've done. I forgive everybody else. Kind of just like opening up like your vessel for prosperity and abundance. And that means like, let it go. Like if we have a lot packed in, we have to unpack. If we want to receive, we can't receive anything. If it's, you know, if, if our consciousness and our heart is blocked and all those things. So I think that would be number one It's just starting with the ritual of like self-love saying, I love you in the mirror. And I know it's like, at first it's like so awkward, so weird and feels like so embarrassing, but it's like, you're the only one who's there. So there's nothing embarrassing. And when you start to do it and and see the magic that starts to occur in your life, you won't think it's silly or embarrassing at all anymore. You know, and I think when you're ready, that is the first step to take. Number two would be to recite your affirmations in the mirror, recite them out loud, recite them in a journal. Cause when you write things down, there's like an electromagnetic frequency that like runs through (laughs) the earth's magnetic plane through your body onto the paper and you're creating something you're writing it like you're putting it in down on paper and making it history well i like to call it her story her oh i love that i haven't heard that i love that and then the affirmations you know using things that resonate like you, like if I was trying to build up my self-confidence or my abundance, I would like go online and Google like affirmations for abundance. And then I read through the list, like not all of them would resonate with me. You know, like I would say them, I'd be like, "Mm, that's not very realistic. Or I wouldn't really say that. So really the ones that stood out to me, I would write down. And some of them I didn't believe yet, but the more I said them in the mirror and the more I would get into the mindset of like, okay, what is it? Like another ritual I would do is like, okay, if I am like wealthy and I'm attracting abundance, like what would I do? Like, I love like fancy hotels. So like I would go to a really nice hotel and sit in the lobby and, you know, order some lunch or even though it was like at the time that was like a lot of money for me, it was super important for me to be in there. And I'd bring my laptop and write or design jewelry or whatever. And it was like, the more I started doing those little things, it was like, I started building this expectation for myself. Then that it's all tied, you know? 
letting go full moon ritual. Like I would always during the full moon, clean out my closet, get rid of stuff that I wasn't wearing, you know, do the Marie Kondo method of, cause you just, you can't receive love, all those things in your life. If you're clogged with things that don't serve you anymore. And then the new moon, of course, like making your vision board. And I mean, you can do those things anytime. There's no better than now, but I kind of like got into this sort of habit of doing it like like that. Sure. No. And I, and I love to hear that because, you know, I haven't really dialed into, and I, I might do this now that you've mentioned it, like cleaning out your closet and really getting rid of things during the new moon. Right. I haven't done that, but in terms of like affirmations and having a gratitude journal has really changed my life. But I think a lot of this, you know, for you is like being very clear about what you want in your life and really feeling this new life that you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting because, you know, going back to when you were in your early twenties, you said, you know, you were bartending at a hotel and I'd love for you to share how you met this woman who actually was a fine jeweler. And I think that really changed the trajectory of your next step. So if you could share that, that would be great. Yeah. So I started reciting, you know, in my mind, as I've mentioned before, it was like this tapping with this whispering that was like, you're be a fine jewelry designer. And I'm like, Ugh! I was like so annoyed. And it was like frustrating because there, I had heard some things like, oh, it's really hard to make it in jewelry. So I took those on as belief. So the moment that I was like, oh my God, those are their beliefs. Those are not mine. Like, I don't have to accept those as my reality. The moment I really let that go is the moment. And I was like, I'm a fine jewelry designer. Like I started saying it to myself now loud. I put it on the jewelry on, on my vision board. I am a fine jewelry designer. Within a week, a woman sat down at the boutique hotel I was looking at or working at. And she had this gorgeous, like flower. I mean, I'm a huge flower person. Like I was a fairy in a past life, a a thousand percent. Like I get lost inside flowers. And so for her, it was just like this crazy synchronous. I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. It was just diamonds all the way up the finger. And I was like, that is phenomenal. Where, what designer is that? She's like, I've made it. I'm, or I'm the designer. And I said, can I work for you? And she's like, well, you work here. And I was like, I know, but this is just temporary. And she's like, do you have any experience in jewelry? And I was like, no, other than obsession, like obsession. And she's like, um, well, I'm sorry. Like, there's no way I could hire you with no experience. And I was like, I promise you, I will do the best job you've of when you've, I am so obsessed. You have no idea. Like this stuff keeps me up at night. And she was like, you're crazy. And I was like, yeah, but so are you, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) And so I kind of stayed on, she's like, she gave me her information and this, I will say like the squeaky wheel gets the grease because I, it's about like four months for her to finally take a meeting with me. She set up like maybe five meetings and flaked and finally she did. And I was like, I didn't care. I was, I just stayed on she was like, wow, you are ruthless. And I was like, I know I really, I I want this job. I promise I'll do whatever it takes. And she's like, okay. And so it was again, that radical taking that radical action. I think really that, that set it in motion. Cause it's like the universe here, when you want something bad enough, you will receive it, but you have to really be persistent. You can't just be like, Oh, 
she didn't show up. Oh, she must not like or take it personally or anything. Like she has a million things going on in her life. And I'm a speck of dust, but I'm going to show her that I'm way more than a speck of dust. So that's what we, that's what I did. And I took the job and literally, you know, she had some, she moved like the staffing around and like put me after just like a very short period of time in charge, which means I had to learn everything. It was almost like I was thrown into the lion's den. So be careful what you wish for, because, you know, I definitely didn't have a life for that year, but it was worth it. I love this story because, you know, some people might think like, manifesting your life is so woo-woo. You need to take action. And that's what you did, right? You followed up, you were persistent, you were patient. And I mean, that's how you really can make big career changes. I mean, I've also switched careers and had people say like, what do you know about tech? Like you're a finance girl. And I was just persistent. And I, we both proved them wrong, right? If you have a passion, you can really learn anything that you want. So I love sharing that story because I feel like there's a lot of women listening who might feel like they can't make that big leap or the transition because they don't have the experience. And if you have the passion and the follow-up and the persistence, like you can make anything in your life happen. Right. Exactly. I have the exact same experience. People are like, did you, what school did you go for? Like you're an incredible designer. And I'm like, honestly, the school of life is really like, and also nothing is holding you back. Like I didn't have the resources for university at that time. I also like, wasn't really, to be honest with you, getting in because it wasn't with who I was like, And that's okay. And like, it took me a little while to recognize that, like, okay, maybe it's not for me. Like, and that was, you know, a big step was like, we have these expectations because everybody else does whatever. And it's like, your path is so unique. But again, like there's so many resources online, master classes and YouTubes and all sorts of stuff. So if you want to know information bad enough, like, you will get it. <laughs> oh, thousand percent. I mean, I always say Google is my best friend and I've talked to, you know, over 50 entrepreneurs on this podcast now. And like everyone is just learning online or meeting people like they are not experts before they jumped into their business. So I totally agree with you. So you have this incredible experience, you know, wanting to work in jewelry, working alongside this woman and really understanding the business side of everything. At what point did you realize like, wow, I might have pieces that I could sell? Like, how did that idea kind of come to life? So I eventually stopped working for that specific designer. And well, actually it was, I think it was sort of at the tail end of it. And I was downtown and I had sketched out like some ear literally like ear like I sketched an ear and then I made copies of it and so I would draw like different designs like on the ear I'm like how would this look and I put this like and then I got some diamonds and made like a little pattern and I was like I found a jeweler and I said and you know I scraped together enough money to put together these earrings and I said can we solder this like in this pattern and he's like yeah sure so we did it And I put it on my ear and I was like, wait a second. And I looked at, I went on the star maps and I look at the constellation. I was like, this looks like the big dipper. I mean, it was so obvious, but like, I wasn't even thinking that. And that was, turns out like when I started researching later, like what it represented, the big dipper represents freedom because people throughout history have used it to find their way home. I mean, it points to the North star 
And so in everything from the Egyptians to the slaves, they all used this map to find freedom. And for me, it was the piece that set me free to be able to do, you know, whatever I wanted would like eventually in my, and yeah, so that was the first step. I started wearing them and people would stop me and be like, oh my God, is that, where did you get those? And it was just kind of like consistent. And then the next designer I worked for wanted to bring some of my designs. I, I only had like five designs. And she's like, can we that put you were these- personally wearing, like you just yeah. created pieces for yourself. Yeah. And she's like, can we actually put these into the collection? I'll pay you for them. Like we can do it. I can pay you for the designs or we can do, you know, royalties. And I was like, you know, honestly, that's so flattering. But like, as I mentioned, when I started this job, like one day I want to have my own company. So these would be like my starting point signs. And then blogger, like some bloggers, like put them on there. It's right, you know, at the peak of Instagram and just taken off. And I would just wake up with like, e- I didn't even have a website. And it would yeah. just be like, they would just credit my email address at the bottom. And I would just wake up with like, email. I'd like to order the Big Dipper Constellation earrings and dime, you know. And how did you get, so I know like the influencers and that was very early in Instagram really gave you exposure in the early days. And I think, you know, you mentioned you didn't have a website. I think you were sending like PayPal to them just to like connect the money, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you connect with those bloggers? Were they friends of yours that were talking about it or how did that awareness kind of spiral in the early days of you just creating these designs? I just like friends of friends and that would see them and just be like, I, can you make me that? Like, I want that. And I'm like, that's so sweet. Like, are you just being like, yeah. you know what I mean? At first yes. was, we're just being nice. And I was like, oh my God, like, does she feel sorry for me? Or I know. It's like, you don't have to buy it from me. It's okay. I promise. Like, thank you though. Yeah. No, no, no. no. And then, you know, there were two of them that literally wore them for like six months to a year. And so it was like every time I would get credited. And so for me, I was like, you want more jewelry? Like, that's how I've always operated is like, okay, if something's working, like keep people happy and like, keep it flowing. Like in life, in order to receive, you have to give first. And that's what I did with that one designer is I was like, I will give you all of my time. Like, and that's what I did. And I wasn't even being at the beginning, I was barely being paid anything. I was working crazy hours, you know, and then with the blogger, like she was even trying to pay. And I was just like, no, 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 no. It's Like I wanted to like, I wanted to reciprocate, you know what I mean? All the, and so, yeah. That's incredible. No, it's building on the momentum and always adding value. And, you know, it's something even now your business is bigger, you still continue to do. And I'm curious, you know, when you were getting all those orders, it clearly was expensive. How are you manufacturing these products? I know there was a key relationship that really helped you in the early days, but I would love to hear more about how you were funding and creating all these orders that were coming in. Yeah. So basically with fine jewelry, like for us, for example, about 50% is made to order. And then the other half is inventory. And that's how it is right now. But at the beginning, it was just made to order. So basically I would get an order and then I would make it as fast as possible and then ship it out. So I would get the funds up front and then, you know what I mean? But also another thing that was majorly beneficial to me was creating like really great rapport with manufacturing and just relationships and 
you know, from my previous positions and they just believed in me and were like, Logan, like you should start your own brand. And, you know, when are you going to do that? And I'm like, Oh guys, that's really sweet. But with what money, you know what I mean? And they're like, no, no, no. I mean, just make what you need to make and like pay us when you can. And I was like, what? And that's when it really clicked for me that I was like, okay, all this, like all this love and passion and hard work that I've put into this is really about to pay off because people believe like when you believe in yourself and you're obsessed with something and you're passionate about it, like people will have faith in you. I mean, that's just, that's just the bottom line with confidence is when we start to like lose faith in ourselves, people feel that and then they kind of lose faith, you know, hopefully not. But, and so I think that that was the biggest thing for me was, was that, but it's like for anybody who's listening to this and they're like, Oh, how am I going to do it? If I don't have the funding, like just start with a couple of things, like, you know, and believe like truly believe miracles are real. They will happen. Somebody will come out of nowhere. Some sort of magic will happen where you'll get to either create the product you want, or you'll be given an opportunity that puts you in a position where eventually you will or what have you, but it's the radical faith, you know? <laughs> I totally agree. And I think like you mentioned, if you are really loving what you're doing and you have the passion, like opportunities when the time is right, will come to you. Like you were creating jewelry yes. because you genuinely loved it. You weren't waiting for a celebrity to wear it or, you know, a, right. an investor to invest in you. You're like, I'm going to do this regardless. And then all those opportunities come about. So I think if you can find something that you are obsessed with, that you would do if somebody paid you or not, like that's when the miracles yeah. start to happen. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Cause it's just, it's you're in your, you found your, I just did a collaboration with Dr. John Amaral. And one of the pieces in the collection is Ananda in Sanskrit, which means bliss. And it's like, like our intention, I mean, I know it's just obvious like bliss, but like our intention with this is really to remind people to like follow your bliss, like, you know, do those things that make you feel like time is not, you lose complete track of time. And that's, what's going to give you satisfaction. And once you, and it, for a lot of people, it's like, they're like, Oh, but my bliss isn't really paying me right now or whatever. Well, it wasn't paying me either. Like making my own designs and doing the things just for myself to wear. It was like, that wasn't paying me at all. You know, like, in fact, I was sucking my making out <laughs> because I was like, every chance, like, you know, I was like eating top ramen so that I could like make more diamond constellations or whatever. But eventually it did because I was so in that vortex of like excitement and obsession, you know? Yeah. And I love that. And it's like, you were doing it on the side while you were making Ed's meat during the day. And then you slowly were able to make that transition over a period exactly. of time. Like it didn't happen overnight. And, you know, right. looking at your brand now, you know, you have retail outlets, you're selling online, you know, a lot of celebrities are wearing your jewelry. So on paper, everything could look glamorous and amazing. And you're clearly very successful, but what would you say has been one or two of the biggest challenges you faced as an entrepreneur or in the business? Because I'm sure, you know, the past couple of years haven't always always been so easy building this brand from nothing. The biggest challenge for us so far has been definitely the COVID, like the shutdowns of the factory, because, mm. you know, I was definitely nervous that it, our sales were going to be affected. But in fact, the, it was the opposite because people were at home and they were shopping. And I think they also wanted something like 
that made them feel safe. And our jewelry is very much like spiritual and nurturing and it's protection and all those things. So having to withstand the demand and then having the shutdowns and have like crazy delays was very challenging because I don't want to let my customers down, but you know, it's tricky when you're, you're in a world of instant everything and our jewelry is handmade. It's precious. It's made with intention. And we don't like, I've had to get on the phone with customers myself and say, I'm so sorry. You know, if you're this upset, like, do you just want like a refund? Because our jewelry is sacred and it's made like, I don't stand over people's backs and pressure them. And so that was very challenging. And actually people were so, I'd say 95% of people were super understanding, especially after we told them, you know, this is a female founded company. Like we're literally doing the best we can. We really like, they were like, okay, okay. We get it. You know? So that was the biggest challenge. And it still is the challenge is keeping up with demand. And of course, I want my delivery times to be shortened just as our customers do, but or our production timelines, but we do what we can, you know? Yeah. And we've heard that a lot from just entrepreneurs, you know, whether it was because of COVID and issues with their manufacturing or just the demand is so much higher than they can even produce. It's like, instead of freaking out, they're like, we just had a very honest conversation with our customers. And we're like, listen, like, we can't meet the demand or it's going to take X amount of time. Or like you said, do you want a refund? And people are pretty much understanding is every time somebody says a story. So that's good to know. It's just like being honest and like building that relationship with the customer, which I think you do a really good job at is really helpful. And have you seen yourself because demand is growing so much and you guys are growing, you know, are you, how do you think about fundraising for the business? Is that something you've considered or is it important for you to really self-fund it through the sales that you have now? Like, how are you thinking about it as you're beginning to grow even faster? We want to continue to self-fund until it gets to a point where we're like, okay, it's really now it's time. And we'll know that, you know, internally when when it feels right. But for right now, we'd like to keep self-funding. I love that. And you can control your own destiny when that's the case, which, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And I know that like we have angel investor opportunities and things like that. So I know like we would keep it sacred because there would just be very specific about the terms that, that would take place, but it's not always like that. And so I say, try and self-fund as, as long as you can. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure, I mean, we haven't, for my business, we haven't raised any money, but it's like anyone who I even would let in, it's like family. It's like, you're part of my life. This is my baby you're creating. So you have to just yeah. really be close with whoever you want to bring in right. when the opportunity is right, or when you feel like it's the right step, but that's helpful to know. You know, another question I have for you is how important is mentorship for you? There's so many aspects of business that I'm sure you're learning day to day. And, you know, you don't have a quintessential formal background in business, but how have you kind of dealt with any hardships that you've had, you know, growing the business or learning something that you weren't really aware of? Has mentorship helped? Definitely. I have mentors that I confide in. I have a community of other entrepreneurial women and men that I could fall back on. It's when you're in this world, you're very much into helping others because you realize it's an infinity loop. And so I intend on one day having a mentorship program as well, just to help other women goddesses, because ultimately I know part of my purpose is to give back the freedom, give not back, give women, you know, the freedom 
which are the tools to set themselves free and do whatever they want and have choices in life. And that's so important. I love that. I have goosebumps. I mean, that's a big passion of mine. And you know, like what you're saying, the podcast is like a small element of it. But as I build my business and learn similar to you, like the first thing I want to do is just teach everything that I've learned and just help elevate other women to create their dreams and build very successful businesses. Like that is just what lights me up. So I love, we'll have to do something in the future sometime together and give back. That would be awesome. I would love that. I would love that. I love it. Well, I want to close on one last question that I'd love to get your thoughts on, but what are you most proud of that a lot of people might not know about you, whether it's in business or your personal life, anything that comes to mind? Let's see. I mean, people like just to reiterate that, like you absolutely can, you are an alchemist. Like I'm realized I was an alchemist and I could create something from nothing you know it's like taking coal and turning it into diamonds I mean that's a natural process and that's truly what I did and and I'm most proud of that because I just was relentless in creating my destiny and nothing and falling so many times like people just see the glamour and glitz but like falling on my face so many times and then just getting back up like well that was fun and you know, the schlepping. And again, people don't see all that stuff. (laughs) Schlepping jewelry displays in the rain (laughs) in London and like getting locked out of like, I mean, there's all sorts of things, but that was the question, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are you proud of? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And and it's funny, as you're talking about London, I was moving some inventory last night and I was like relentless. I'm like, I need to move this. My whole back is hurting now. I'm like, what are, what am I doing to myself? But the things you do behind the scenes, right? Like nobody sees it, but it's like manual labor sometimes. Exactly. (laughs) And the last question that I would love to ask is, you know, wealth means so much more than money and everybody has their own definition of wealth. We've touched a bit about this in the interview already, but at this stage in your life, what does wealth mean to you? Wealth just means more choices. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make life better. It doesn't make you happier. It just gives you more choices. And it actually, it just makes you, whoever you are before wealth, it makes you more of that. So for me, wealth is the most valuable things in life are health, love, connection. That is true wealth right there of service to others. Because if you can be of service to others, you're giving something to someone. It's very fulfilling for life. You know, it's super important. I feel like if you're battling unhappiness or unworthiness or, you know, some of those things go out and do something for somebody else. I going back on the proud of thing. There was a time when I literally had like maybe a thousand dollars in my bank account and I was really struggling with health issues. I think I was 19. It was kind of like when my parents lost everything and I was really going through some mental challenges of, of when I was in high school being put on medication for ADD and kind of being forced and put into a box and these drugs caused other side effects. And then, so they put other things. And so I had to, you know, like take myself off of all of that, realize that I wasn't what they society, I guess, school was making me out to be. I didn't fit in like everyone else. And I, but I really was in this state of feeling like 
terrible. And so I decided that the best thing would be for me to see people who had it worse than me. I said, I'm so stuck in my own rut that I actually need to see that I have it made with health issues. I mean, I had like terrible stomach issues, hormone, like all sorts of stuff. And I was like, this will heal me. And so I literally took the money I had, like at an act of faith. I was like, dad, can you spare like $200? He's like, I think so. I went to India during monsoon season wow. and volunteered at an orphanage for disabled children. And I mean, it was so gnarly. I, it worked. I'll tell you mm, what, yeah, you know, going and being there for, yeah, I was there for like two weeks and there's like, I mean, the things I saw, I, I, I can't even repeat, but on your podcast, but it was so intense and it really made me realize that, you know, gratitude and health and all those things, there's nothing, money cannot buy those things. And so those are the most valuable things in life. Oh, that's so beautiful, Logan. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story and all your wise gems with us today. This was so much fun. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.